folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Welcome into our Cowboys Vikings preview on Purple Insider, Matthew Collar and ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And I feel like, Courtney, it has been a, kind of a fun trend recently that we get to really preview games. And every podcast isn't necessarily about Kirk Cousins' contract. Good times, eh? It's It's been great. I mean, I feel like we are in a prime spot right now with a lot of good content. We're not sleeping anything under the rug kind of keeping this thing going forward and we're not talking about Kirk and his 11 interceptions <laughs> no but you know what I had to actually agree with Kirk Cousins for once on the uh, interception matter there have been way too many times where there's something that goes wrong and then he will give a long diatribe about how well you know not everything is my fault but not everything is everybody else's fault it's just like Kirk we get it pal but uh this year with his 11 interceptions two were Hail Marys Adam Thielen yes. should be credited with a handoff or a yeah, fumble exactly. in Chicago. Yeah, on the Khalil Mack interception. That was not Kirk Cousins' fault at all. So now we're down to like seven or eight. Seven or eight, probably, there was, yeah. There was one that was debatable that went through somebody's hands, but that could have been on him because it was behind the receiver. Mm, I don't know. So, yeah, Cousins is correct that not all of his 11 interceptions are his fault. And I think we should just start with Cousins against the – Dallas Cowboys because in his recent history in playing teams with horrible defenses, Kirk Cousins tends to annihilate them. And you're just, these are the three worst teams. The teams that they're playing these next three weeks are the three worst teams in points allowed total for this season. Mm -hmm. And you could just see it like Kirk, this is your October, 2019. This is laid out for you to come in and have all three games at home on the fast track at U.S. Bank Stadium with Justin Jefferson flying high and put up huge, crazy numbers and get your team right back in the driver's seat for the playoffs. So my question to you, Courtney, will it happen? Will it happen that Kirk Cousins takes out his uh, 
whatever, I don't know, baseball bat and just beats the hell out of these next three opponents? Or will we get bad Kirk in one of these games, including maybe Sunday? I think that's why so many people are still hold their breath with him because this guy is capable. Like, he won a playoff game on the road against New Orleans. But then the flip side of that, there's always like the caveat is, well, they won a coin toss. Like, was it really all just Kirk? That type of thing. They won a game in Chicago on Monday Night Football, the first of his career. Well, the Bears' offense is terrible and et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's always one of those things that I think that he gets knocked for probably more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Um, fair and unfair, but the reason that that narrative kind of hangs around is because you start seeing him do well, and then he kind of falls off a cliff um, and has that clunker that you just know is coming. It's hiding around the corner. Um, and I think it's honestly just very simple. It's he, he has not been consistent once he's had success. It's always kind of gone the other way. I mean, think about how they ended 2018. He had an opportunity there to back the Vikings into the playoffs and came out and just, you know, ha- had a meltdown against Chicago. Like, it's, it's more of those moments that I think keeps people hesitant and why you will look at this, this stretch and you say, okay, Really, there should be five wins on the schedule, five guaranteed wins uh, the remainder of the way with Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville, and then Chicago and Detroit again. But you can never – I mean, A, it's the NFL. Like, you can never put, like, all your chips in one basket, but those are bad teams, and I just don't know if you can truly say Kirk will be the reason that they are able to – you know, we we can go ahead and mark a W down next to any of them. Um, I feel like there's always just kind of that expectation that he's going to come out flat one day or throw an interception on on the opening drive and not be able to recover. I mean, that's happened quite a bit. And I think that with any NFL team, even the best teams, even your Kansas City or Pittsburgh will have this probably happen to them eventually or the 85 Bears that there's Mm -hmm. always one. There's a reason why only one team went 16-0 and in history. And even then, the Patriots almost lost a couple of games that year, that there's always one thing that goes wrong. Now, the question is, was the Atlanta game the one, or is this team capable of more ones popping up? Um, Because I was talking with our pal Sam Ekstrom about this, about how there's always that possibility for a team that's really bad to show up and beat you. Because if bad Kirk shows up, and like you said, if he checks down to the fullback on the first drive or he throws an interception on the first drive, we have seen this throw him off. You could tell that Chicago, right from the get-go, it was going to work out great for him because he was hitting different receivers and he didn't look under duress at all and looked very comfortable. And you went, oh, this is going to be one of those games where he plays well. But you just never know when this is going to creep in. And, I mean, last year you could also say that the loss to Kansas City was equally as bad as, um, let's see, was there another one last year? Chicago was a bad one. Chicago, yeah. That's, oh, that's right, 16-6, to six, right, against Chase Daniel. That The Matt Moore game and losing to him was the same sort of deal. Um, where you're playing a backup quarterback, you should win the game, and then your quarterback just doesn't give you enough. And you worry about the same thing with a team like Dallas, where their defense is coming off of a decent game. They've had two weeks to prepare. Mike McCarthy knows you and has played you a lot over the years. And it's not like they have no one. They have Alden Smith. They have uh, uh, Lawrence, who gets after the passer, too. They have... 
two good linebackers who are capable of making plays. It's not like this team is entirely schmucks. They're a major underachiever. So I don't know if, if that game is showing up here on Sunday, but I think it's showing up eventually. And whenever it hits, there's going to be a lot of frustration, I think, uh, pointed at Kirk Cousins. But on the other side of the coin, if it doesn't, then I'm not willing to say he's a different quarterback, but that's that's like what you're here for is for that not exactly. To- no, of course, and I mean, you're supposed like is it so much to ask that you go out and do your job the way that you are pay- compensated, the way that you're expected to, and not have to have kid gloves on all the time? I mean, the way that Gary Kubiak is calling games right now is really helping Kirk Cousins, and even when he had to increase his passing volume the other night in Chicago considerably um even when he got to that point like he was still able to not get into a true drop back game um and have to go hail mary kirk you know to win the game like that's just not who he is and that's not what you can expect with him and if you want success and you know the way that the way that I look at it is like how does this team now they're what four and five so Mm -hmm. what Three weeks from now, seven and five, maybe. Like, how will they handle? Like, what's what's it going to be like around this team if they go if they lose this game or if they lose another one that's kind of unsurprising? They don't have any room right now to lose games because you have to go ahead and give them the leeway of the Saints and the Bucks just just because. Um, but like, if they go four and six, then like into next week when they play Carolina, like, what does that look like? Is it still a team that thinks it can make the playoffs? Is it still a team that has faith in the quarterback? Like, I mean, they've looked really good the last few weeks and Kirk has looked really good, but I just, I, you know, there's so many factors I think that you can look into here that could set this whole thing on fire if it doesn't go perfectly, which kind of comes full circle. What does Kirk need to have, have happen in order to be successful? Everything around him, essentially perfect. What's really interesting about these last few weeks is just how much depends on the result for how we feel about the team. Um, if you think about Detroit, they lose to Detroit. Let's just say Matt Stafford, instead of throwing picks in the end zone, throws touchdowns in the end zone. And mm-hmm. then they get those punts blocked and you lose to Detroit. We are just burning them down, right? For not trading more people, for not getting rid of oh. Riley Reef and getting draft picks for him, for not moving on from Anthony Harris and all those things. We are saying, why did you not rebuild? What is wrong with you? You were still a severely flawed team. And the same thing goes for even Chicago. If they lose that game, I think their odds of making the playoffs go into the tank is probably like 3% or something if they lose the game to Chicago and they end up at 3-6. and six. And we're doing the same thing. Hey, you, you went to Soldier Field. You proved you weren't for real. And again, why didn't you sell parts off? I'm not sure this is any different because then at this point, if you don't beat Dallas, then, I mean, you have to basically run the table. The only team that I look at based on their schedule that has a real chance to fall off is the Los Angeles Rams because they have a tough Mm -hmm. schedule the rest of the way. But if the NFC West teams kind of beat up on each other and they go 500, they're still going to end up with 10 and six records. So the only way you can get into that is by being great the rest of the way. If you lose here and go to four and six, I mean, it's just hard to see. You got to beat New Orleans. You got to beat Tampa Bay. You got to beat Chicago again, which you often split with them. So you know, I, I look at it as, again, one of those kind of big swing games for how we feel 
about this team and uh, it will blow up all of the narratives about how they've made progress and about how, you know, the offense could take them a really far away and Zimmer's fixed everything on the defense. If Mm -hmm. they don't do what they're supposed to do, all that kind of comes apart at the seams. I honestly think it's going to be like that every game from here on out. (laughs) Yes. Like that's the feeling I get because it just kind of feels like they, they, you know, you hold your breath and if, if you're a fan, you hope they win the game and then it's like, all right, Got that one out of the way. What's the next hurdle to cross? Because nothing feels guaranteed with this team because it kind of at points feels like a team held together, like a, a house held, a paper house, like yeah. that you could just yeah. blow over. Um, and, and that's not a comfortable spot to be in. I mean, yes, Zimmer's fixed the defense. We can we can say that in like some terms. It's not completely fixed. He's He's, you know, making chicken salad out of chicken blank right now. <laughs> like that's just, you know – that just is what it is, but mm-hmm. can that be sustainable against every team that you face from here on out over the next seven games? I don't know. And it, it's just, you know, the, the narrative around this team changes so drastically when they lose. It's pretty amazing, the pendulum shift, like, you know, how it swings one direction and goes the completely opposite way. But I honestly feel like we're going to have – you and I are going to be having this conversation every single week. Yep for the rest of the year until they get into the playoffs. And then it's going to be the conversation of they probably don't deserve to be in the playoffs or not as good as the other teams. Um, and there'll be a first round exit. Like, I mean, the story writes itself. Well, and I think that it's fair though, because a lot of times in football analysis, it can be quite unfair to ride the roller coaster and just react to the thing that we just saw Um, I was trying to figure out whether Seattle's defense is actually competent now after what they did to Arizona and then going back to, but I don't know because that just happened. So I think that, but their defense all year has been a garbage fire. So it probably leans more toward garbage fire. And with this team, that's also hard because what we've just seen is them play pretty well and do the things we expected them to do this year. But the bigger sample is still, you're not scoring on a particularly high percentage of your drives. Your expected points added are are not that impressive for even your passing game, which has been uh, efficient, but you haven't put up huge, huge totals or anything like that. I mean, there's still a lot of statistics that point to this team not being very good. And so usually you bet on the bigger sample numbers rather than what you just saw. So I'm trying to decide whether we've kind of had a mirage here over the last couple games and we should expect some disappointments coming up or say, well, wait, if we go back to the beginning of the season, this was where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be hitting the soft part of their schedule and reel off a mm-hmm. bunch of wins here anyway. Um, so it's a bunch of push and pull to, to kind of what I feel like should happen, where we should actually set the bar. And I think um, still probably too soon to say, oh, yeah, they're like a sexy pick for the playoffs. I know that's being said, but I'm not ready to get there until they actually do it against some of these teams. They show that they can be contenders. Like, they've shown they're capable. But can that capability be long-term? And by long-term, I mean over the rest of the season. Like, it's a glimpse of what could happen, that you are better than Detroit and you're better than Chicago. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that they're Mm -hmm. better than both of those teams. But – Will the record reflect that at the end? I, I don't honestly know. And I'm with you. I think that there's there's definitely props that need to be given. Um, and, you know, when you look around, like, the rest of the league and how other teams have fallen off a cliff, I mean, the Vikings clawed their way back into this. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. They, they fought. And um, there's – but, again, it's kind of like the Kirk argument. There's always going to be, like, two sides to the story. Like, wow, they beat up on Green Bay. 
well, also it was a weather game and mm-hmm. Green Bay's yep. run defense sucks. Like, oh, wow. Like they, you know, they beat Detroit and all this stuff. Like, you know, well, Matthew Stafford got hurt there at the end. Not that there was probably going to pitch a, much of a comeback anyways. And Detroit didn't take advantage of your secondary because they're stupid. Like, I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, always going to be, yeah, there's always going to be like two sides to if they're actually good or actually bad. You know what I mean? So let's talk about um, instead of what if they win, what if they lose, how do they win, how do they lose against the Dallas Cowboys? Because this is very much a preview episode. Uh, So I'm going to just start with on the offensive side, how do they win is they do not do what they did against Chicago. They do not sit and wait for third down and long before Mm -hmm. they decide to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. I I think if they're going to win this game, they need to look at the secondary for Dallas and say, absolutely none of those human beings can stop Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And if Irv Smith Jr. plays and uh, Dalvin Cook out of the backfield on passing plays last year, he destroyed Dallas when it came to those screen passes. I I think the how do they win um, starts with how quickly do you get involved your best and most dangerous players? Mm -hmm. Yes. Here's the thing I do worry about, though. Like, I guess I'm the only one. Because coaching staff's like, oh, it's up to the player. And Dalvin's like, I feel great. I think I'm the only one who's actually concerned about Dalvin Cook and his health. Um, Because for the brief second he went down on um, Monday Night Football, and I guess it was a lower extremity uh, (laughs) that he injured. So I was so stupid. Like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, what happened? And I, you know, I was watching it, and I didn't see what had happened right away. And I was like, oh, he got got shaken up, shaken up, whatever it is. and everybody's like, that was the first time I'd actually, I was okay being well actually on Twitter because <laughs> I didn't realize what happened. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. But the first know, time ever, it's been a disadvantage for you to be a woman covering football. You know, <laughs> I did ask him about his groin. I mean, if that wasn't awkward <laughs> enough, being like, that's a weird injury. How do you take care of that? It's in a weird spot. <laughs> like when we've seen those players use the the vibrating gun or whatever when they're trying yeah the theragun like, not safe for work kind of thing exactly um <laughs> they, those actually can, do work though can i say that you are justified though so we can get off of delvin cook's uh certain areas um that you are i think you are justified in saying carrying the ball 82 times in three weeks is a lot in a league where uh, these running backs get worn down quickly and he's had previous injuries. I think you're right to be concerned about that. And and I understand this is an easy, like, matchup on paper, right? Like, they allow the second most rushing yards of any team in the NFL. You have a terrific running back. Use him. But my theory is, like, if you get up big, are you still going to be running the ball just because you want to eat clock and you're wearing down Dalvin Cook? Because – they they say they're going to spell him more. They've said that multiple times by using Alexander Madison. Yeah, I think he had 12 carries or whatever against Detroit. Didn't go very far, but, like, you know, he barely did anything in Chicago. They were running Dalvin Cook straight into a brick wall there with yep. the defensive line, and I think that that's, you know, when are we going to actually see them back up their words with action? Like, we're going to try to spell Dalvin Cook here. I mean, you didn't. Like, and I just worry – this offense and everything that they've built so far falls apart when Cook is not in there. It really does. I know that they have faith in Alexander Madison, and I know that he is capable. 
Um, he showed us in Seattle that he's capable of handling a big workload, but it is not the same player, and you know that. So, you know, when you have somebody like Justin Jefferson, you have Kirk playing as well as he's playing right now. You have Thielen in the in the you know at the goal line situation. Who knows if they'll get Irv Smith back? But Kyle Rudolph played pretty darn well last week. You have all these pieces set up for you. Do you do you want like? I guess I try to say it this way: like, does Dalvin? Is it worth saving Dalvin for the team that it's going to be really hard to beat? Like, you can beat right. Dallas probably without running the ball down their throats. I think what history tells us is they think that and they say that, and then when it gets there, they don't do it. Um, and uh, so, like Zimmer saying, oh, yeah, we want to spell Alexander Madison more. But you don't actually do it uh, very often. Mm-hmm. And in theory, it makes a lot of sense. But when you feel like, well, we really need this first down. So Delvin run on out there. And Zimmer mm-hmm. said, well, he wants to be out there. Like, well, so does every yeah. player, right? Like, I mean, who's telling you, no, get me off the field. Like not anyone except for maybe Drew Samia wanted to get off the field early on uh, when yeah. he was playing. But um, I, I think it's a concern because it's it seems like a team – who should always keep one eye on the future being desperate in the moment uh, in the now to be like, wow, Delvin's got to run the ball here. We're going to lose. And that to me says you're going to run him into the ground. And you know who else did this? The Dallas Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott, the Los Angeles Mm -hmm. Rams with Todd Gurley and those players down the road were just never the same. I think of it as the five more minutes mom argument. That's what the Vikings are doing with Dalvin Cook. Five more minutes. Just a couple more, you know, got it. A couple more carries. One more first down. A couple more carries. And then it's like you eventually, you know, run out of time. You eventually, like your mom's coming down there and grabbing you by the arm and yanking (laughs) you out of the basement because she doesn't want you playing Nintendo anymore. Like you've, you've, you've used up your five more minutes excuses to where it's not believable anymore. When Mike Zimmer says we want to spell Alexander, we want to spell Dalvin Cook, use Alexander Madison more. We want to, you know, we want to be cognizant of his health. I understand all of that, but you're not doing it. And I just fear for them it's going to come at a point where they're forced into that situation where their mom is coming and grabbing them <laughs> the by injury the arm. Mom. The injury mom is coming and grabbing them by the arm and yanking them upstairs. Then you have to do your math homework or some nonsense like that instead. It sucks. But um, But anyways, like – I just don't know. I don't buy it for sure. I don't buy it because we haven't seen it because they keep saying it. And it's just, it has not happened yet. I want to remind you to go to sodastick.com to get your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. There are many great designs. Someone on Twitter recently sent their John Randall shirt, and there's the Can't Stop the Thielen hats, the Tech Mobile throwback shirt, and much more. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use the code Purple Insider for free shipping. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K dot com. Soda Stick, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. So I was looking when it pertains to the running game. And again, if they want to continue to do what they did against Chicago and put Kirk Cousins in third and long situations, his career tells you that's not what you want. 
Um, against Chicago, it worked out great. Justin Jefferson was wide open. Kirk made some great throws, and you were able to move the sticks more than half of the time in that game. Usually, if you're setting yourself up for third and nine all the time, third and 11, whatever, it's not super easy to convert those. And I was looking at Dallas's last game, and I understand that they are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Their last game against Pittsburgh, though, they only allowed 38 yards on the ground on 17 carries. And a bunch of guys had really good grades from PFF against the run. Alden Smith, Neville Gallimore, who you remember from uh, Courtney R. Draft Scouting. Yep, uh, Randy Gregory played really well against the run. Leighton Vanderesh, Jalen Smith, uh, even Demarcus Lawrence. Like These guys had a good game that they're coming off. And then two weeks to prepare, two weeks to rest. And I just think it is possible that this group has enough talent that they could come together and at least slow down Dalvin Cook enough to cause some problems here. So if the Vikings want to win, kind of circling back to where we were of like, how do they win? I think it has to be counteract that, like counteract the fact that Dallas has a lot of talent on this defense. And I mean, Randy Gregory had five pressures against Ben Roethlisberger a couple weeks ago. Demarcus Lawrence is a good player and uh, Alden Smith is still very dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear that he can still play football. So you have to be able to counteract that they are coming off a, a good game against the run and then not let any of these guys strip sack Kirk Cousins. That's the other part. Don't yeah. put him in positions on third and seven to be strip sacked because that is always the thing that could just come up and kill you. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you think about like how weak Dallas's defense is, like I don't really, I mean, from where they started, and I know Kyle Rudolph talked about that um, on Friday, just about how different they looked week one to where they're, you know, they had the bye last week, but like where they recently left off, like, I don't know if I'm seeing a whole lot of difference with this defense. I mean, I think that they are a mess. And realistically, Kirk should be able to 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 annihilate them. I mean, they're allowing an opposing quarterback passer rating of like 103.1. So that right. gives you your options to pick where you want to take these deep shots. But I'm with you. I mean – don't wait until you're in third and long to, to do that. And I mean, yes, they're, they're it all the coach speak. It matters what you do on first and second down sets you up for what you're going to do on third down. Well, how do you avoid that? Is the key going to be running Dalvin cook at them on first and second down all the time. And then like using a play action bootleg to like hit Justin Jefferson for a 40 yard gain on third down. It's going to become so predictable, mm-hmm. even against a bad secondary. That's going to become so predictable. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you're right about all of that. Like they do have good players, but it's just like, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, can they bring them? I, I don't can. Yes. Like, and I don't, I'm, I'm with Mike Tomlin on this. Like I'm not calling this a trap game, but it has that feel to it. I don't know why I just, I, that's kind of where I, I stand right now with it. I, I'm going to go let down game because I think that you have to be good to be a trap game. Like you have to be the Packers, almost losing to Jacksonville. That's where, and I don't really believe in trap games being a real thing. There are upsets in pro sports like that happens. Um, But you know, when we define these things, I think it's a letdown because you win three in a row. And then, you know, cousins has his big performance against Chicago. The thing that everyone said he couldn't do when on Monday night football, beat a good defense plays really, really well. And then it's, 
always been once there's a high mark, then there's a low mark. And that's been Mm -hmm. the the shape of this team since Kirk Cousins has been here. I mean, you come off of uh, Kevin Stefanski takes over as the OC in 2018 and they win two games and they say, we're back. We've got our offense rolling. And then Chicago comes in, plays half their team and still beats you, kicks you out of the playoffs. I mean, so it's it, it's the same sort of thing. They play a great offensive game in Green Bay, week two, 2018. Kirk throws for 400 yards. Amazing. Filippo's a genius. And then Buffalo comes in and beats yep. So it's that is the thing that you're probably staying up late at night as a Vikings fan on Saturday night thinking about. Uh, the other thing is Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Uh, these guys have had a mess at quarterback since Dak Prescott went down, but now Andy Dalton is coming back. He has not played well for them by any sh- uh, stretch of the imagination, but is an NFL quarterback who has won a lot of games in the league before, and those three receivers, that's one of the things over these last few weeks we have not seen, a team with multiple really good weapons. Green Bay had Aaron Jones out. Uh, Kenny Galladay was out uh, for Detroit, and uh, Allen Robinson is on an island all himself. This is a different challenge, I think, for the Vikings' defense. Yeah, I do too. And Andy Dalton's always just what he's always been very accurate, very methodical. Like not nothing like that's going to like super surprise you, but he he is who he is. And assuming you know, assuming he's going to play on Sunday, I think that that actually gives him a huge boost. What were we saying when they signed him? Um, in in free agency, that that's probably the best backup that you could possibly have. The guy was yeah. a starter for however many years in Cincinnati, and Mike Zimmer knows him really well. I mean, Mike Zimmer was there for a big part of Andy Dalton's career, so I think they're in a situation that um, this defense isn't going to be able to tee off on. I mean, didn't even need to. Nick Foles stunk. Like I hate when people, Bears fans specifically, blame their offensive line. I'm like, the offensive line's bad. It was not 2018 Minnesota bad, but, like, it was bad, but Nick Foles still really wrecked that game on his own. Um, Same with, like, you know, the the Detroit Lions. Like, and I'm not even going to blame that on players. I'll blame it on play calling by running Adrian on, you know, third and one inside the five-yard line. Things like that. Like, you're – you know, the teams are set up for failure that way with with those types of things. This is the one where I actually think that their players probably can beat you. They have a lot of speed on the outside. Um, and you know, the receivers are really good. Like, it's just a matter of like, is it all going to come together where the quarterback and the skill players are going to like shine in those moments? There is a, uh, I don't know if you've run across this. Cause I agree with everything you said that the, when you have multiple ones of these receivers who can beat you, Amari Cooper ate them alive last year against Mike Hughes, uh, in that mm-hmm. game. There is a player though, that Vikings fans should be very concerned about who is on Dallas's roster. And this is a, there's a Vikings connection, and I want to know if you've stumbled across this or not. This guy is a um, this guy is a Super Bowl champion. Um, he was on the 2017 team with the Vikings, and scored a touchdown. I think one in the season in 2017. Do you know who I'm talking about? I don't think I do. Um, okay, I'll give you a I'll give you a hint. Former back. quarterback. I think he was on a there. player too. He's on Dallas now. He was on the Vikings. Uh, Sean Hill? <laughs> uh, what? Like who? Yeah, Sean Hill is funny. Uh, no, it's a tight end. I thought you said former quarterback. He was a former quarterback, but now he's a tight end. He was a college quarterback. 
Blake Bell? Yes, nailed it. Oh my god, yeah, he was on the 49ers too. Yes, yes, Blake Bell. Uh, he was really last year yeah. 49ers. I thought. Or no, I, no, I, no not that. When I um when I was with uh, oh, when, when you I covered were there. the 49ers, okay. he was there. Yeah, okay. So I, I he, me and Blake Bell go way back. He was with. <laughs> He was with KC last year and won the Super Bowl. You're right. He was with the 49ers, in, uh, and he caught four passes for them in 2016. And I was just calling up last week's performance, just, you know, how did Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and uh, CeeDee Lamb play? And I noticed one catch for minus four yards from Blake Bell. And I thought, what? how inevitable that Blake Bell will catch a game-winning <laughs> touchdown against the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... That's it. That's, that's that's all there is to it. Um, but now the uh, the route to the Vikings winning is clear, I think, for their defense, right? It's do you get them in third and long? Do they try to rely on Zeke Elliott? And can you slow down Zeke Elliott because you know they're going to do that? And uh, that's it. Like, that's that's the route. I mean, it's can you can you give Mike Zimmer his opportunities to blitz on third and long? Period. That's mm-hmm. that's the he's only way the Vikings it. will win going forward is if they do that. And he's been like really creative with some of those pressures that they used. And and I think honestly, I'm not saying that they fix their defensive line or that you know the, this is the group that you want inevitably going forward. But I think they got creative. Like the sack that Hercules Mata'afa did. They credit him solely with that with a half a sack. One he and Eric Wilson kind of yeah. were in on together. Yeah. Like I think the way that they're rotating on the interior is really impressive uh, just to kind of mitigate some of the issues that they had. And he's blitzing far more than he wants to this year. Um, But it's working, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's working. I think that they're in a good spot right now that they can keep that part going. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria and that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S., Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Yeah, I think so too against this offensive line because it's just bad. Uh, I was looking. Yeah, it's not. It's not where it was a few years ago. I mean, it's the complete opposite. This is like a 2016 Vikings. This offensive line is so beat up and awful. Um, And and they should have been on the phone to the Vikings trying to get Riley Reef because the NFC East is such a joke. Um, Terrence Steele is getting TJ Clemmings like PFF grades. It's a hilarious name for an offensive lineman, but he's super bad. Is that their right tackle? Uh, yes. And so I think that, um, he can potentially be, uh, beaten up by this defensive line that I don't actually believe is so much better than they were earlier. I think that they've just drawn some good situations and really bad offensive lines. And in back-to-back weeks, you're playing two of the absolute worst and most beat up offensive lines in the NFL in Chicago and Dallas. So I think that they'll continue to succeed as a front four. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think that that's, they've looked better, but it's not, the personnel is not better. I think it's just the way that they've schemed around, you know, some of the issues. Yeah. I mean, DJ Wanham's yeah. playing meaning, meaningful snaps. Like, that was a, right now, I mean, it's probably too early to say, like, yeah, great draft pick for a fourth rounder, but it looks like it's trending that way. He made some good plays these last few games. Um, can I say the same about James Lynch? I don't I don't know. I mean, I would say, I think, Anything's better than what you had in there before. And I think that's, they're getting better at those obvious passing situations, but also like rotating guys in and out on the Mm -hmm. interior. Like Hercules Mata'afa was not, was, was good. I mean, that was the reason like, you know, early on they were flustering the hell out of foals, even with or without offensive line issues. The defensive line was, was a problem in Chicago. So I don't know. I mean, it's their offensive line. I know they had, like, Zach Martin's there and Connor Williams or whatever, but, like, do they have a bunch of guys that are on, like, the COVID list or anything? Like, is that what they're worried about? Yeah, like, I think just injured. Injured? Because um, uh, Tyron Smith is out, and that's how yeah. they end up with Cam Irving playing left tackle, and he's never been good in his entire career. Uh, Zach Martin is still in. He's great. Connor Williams is the guy they drafted a couple of years ago. He's never really figured it out. He's kind of been a guard. And then uh, they're playing, well, Joe Looney is their center, but he's a guy that uh, took over for Travis Frederick, who was great, and, you know, no one's going to be him. And then the right tackle position is a huge problem. So I think they're going to try to take advantage of that. One area where it helps for Mike McCarthy is he's seen all these blitzes from Mike Zimmer. And um, he also knows Dom Capers really, really well. So he's got like at least a sense for what they might do. Uh, I think we should wrap this on a pie chart. Do you agree? All right. I'm off for the pie chart. Okay, you ready? All right. I'm going to make this one. this This one is simple. This one's straightforward. This one is you have four options for what's going to happen, Vikings and Cowboys. A blowout win for the Vikings where they dominate from start to finish, and it's never really a threat that the Cowboys will beat them. It is a last-second type of win for the Vikings. Call it a Dan Bailey revenge game. And Austin Cutting, they hold him up on his shoulders after a great long snap. Cutting, cutting, because he finally (laughs) has got it right again. Uh, a close loss in which Dallas uh, maybe throws a Hail Mary to Amari Cooper to win. Mm-hmm. And then a blowout loss, a Falcons-style loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Percentage chance those four things happen. Okay. Will they win or lose? 
Okay, I've got to add my, my percentages. Just give me a second. I've got some good ones. It's a pie chart. We're doing it again. Do, do, do. Okay, now you're done. Ready? Uh, no, no, no. I need two more minutes. I'm kidding. Um, all right, so we're going to add up the math as we go here. Blowout win for the Vikings, I put it at 20%. Okay. Because Dallas is not good. We know that. Um, I, I think that there's too many ways for them to win on offense here. You could pound it down their throats with Dalvin. You could mm-hmm. – um, you know, like I mentioned with like their, how weak their secondary has been. Like, I don't know like what's going on with their defense. It's not good and it hasn't gotten better. So I think that 20% chance of a blowout win is probably, um, more re- like it's, it's, it's less realistic than my next one, but I thought that was like a fair mark for that. Sure. Um, so then I have 55% loss. So that means, I hold thought on. you said 20 Oh, are you adding to yourself? I had to add, right, so that's four, then I'm doing for last second win, 45%. Oh, okay. Um, when, you, when you watch that game, the last game that they had against the Steelers, and yeah, it was a different quarterback, Garrett Gilbert or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, their, team, their defense looked pretty darn good. Yeah. All yep. things considered in that game, and they, they made the Steelers come back and, and fight them for that win. So uh, I think that. I don't know. I just feel like all the expectations, the Vikings are three and Oh, they, you know, came off an ugly win, but it never really felt like they were going to lose that game in Chicago, even when they were down. Cause it's just like the bears are so inept right now. Um, that a last second win kind of feels like what's probably going to happen here. I put close loss for the Vikings at 25%. Um, and then blowout loss. I don't think we're going to see another Falcons style game. I think you get one of those. You get one Buffalo a year <laughs> and one one Falcons a year. I put that at 10%. I think I would have blowout win higher than 20% because I don't really buy into Andy Dalton being any good anymore. Um, and he also said that he can't smell or taste. Like, I don't know if that makes a difference for how you play quarterback, but are you sure you're over COVID, bro? <laughs> like, yeah, but he, it's COVID and a concussion. I just – yeah, how, concussions never cease to amaze me. Like, Cameron Dantzler had one where his neck looked like it snapped just back the same way that Andy Dalton's did, um, and it's still questionable for this. The first weekend he's going to actually be – a game time decision apparently unless he gets downgraded tomorrow but um yeah just just wild like I don't expect I, him to I just bounce back yeah I in fact if I was Dallas I think maybe I play Garrett Gilbert unless they're really sure that it's going to be all right Garrett Gilbert was decent I mean he looked like yeah. he could play in the NFL I think I would have played him instead so I think blowout loss I might have it like 40 or maybe even 50 percent and uh close and then or I'm sorry win blowout win and then um, I agree with you on that there's a, a not a very high chance of a blowout loss to Dallas. That would be truly stunning. I think the close loss thing, that maybe these teams are in, in total talent closer than their records indicate or the recent play indicates, but the overall accumulation of good players on both sides, uh, there are a lot of them on Dallas and yet, you know, they lose their quarterback and things have gone sort of sideways for them, but it's not like you could look at their roster and say, Oh, wow. That's, that's Jacksonville. Who are these people? These, we know these Dallas players, they were good last year and they've been good in the past. So, um, yeah, I, I know, who D- I know who DJ Chark is. Is he like playing for them still? Is he healthy? I don't even know. For Jacksonville? 
Yeah. Is he doing like, good? I don't know. I can't name anybody in Nashville. I, yeah, I think he had a decent game last week. Okay. I've watched almost no Jacksonville except for half of the game against Green Last Bay. week. Yeah, that was a good game. They made that thing a was game. It was a good game. It wasn't a good game, no. Fairly close game, yeah. Uh, but I but I was not focused much on DJ Shark. I apologize greatly to the podcast listeners who expected. <laughs> Give me a couple weeks for Jaguars takes. Um, anyway, okay, well, good good pie chart, and we will see what happens uh, this uh, season on the line every week. is kind of fun. So I know. Tough. It creates chaos that you just don't sweep under the rug. you got to keep <laughs> that thing out there and, you know, go after it 100%. Um, would you say Don't back that, down from it. I mean, look, honestly <laughs> – I was going to I was going to go there. Okay. Would you say if it was coming at you this game that you would go come back at it 100%? I just want to make sure that I understand what this game is trying to tell me and what I'm trying to tell the game. You know, you just have to know the situation and what's going on. That's the key. That is the key here. So, all right. Don't back down from challenges. Not bad. Uh all right. Thanks Courtney.